When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central. Simpler Communications. Clutch within the Clutch Sports Apparel. Your one-stop shop for all your unique Phantom Sports Apparel. With fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports, your favorite players, and all the teams from every major city. With unique feature designs that only you as the fan will have. Go to InTheClutch.com and use promo code Show for 10% off your order today with free shipping on orders of $100 or more. Again, that's promo code Show for 10% off your unique fandom collection today. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Yes, sir. Welcome back into another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show Live, exclusively on our YouTube channel. And check us out on your on-demand TV app when you download the Fox Seed Network, or you can cast us from any mobile device you want to when you go to bellyup.tv. For the listeners out there, and you want to catch us while you're on the road, make sure you're up to date with the show. Download us on your favorite podcast app. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Looks like I might be flying solo today along with my intern, Danielle, who'll be producing the show. We got a jam pack for you one, and we are back two days. Two days. This starts. This is the first episode in August, which means we are back two days a week, baby. We'll be back tomorrow, like on Thursday nights, like we have been all off-season long. Not that I want you to miss any MD's Fantasy Football show, but make sure you catch tomorrow, if nothing else, because we're going to have Brian Scott 
host of the Injured List podcast, medical expert on the show. It's going to be an hour long with a litany list of players that we got to talk about heading into 2022 and what our injury risk assessment on those players are going to be heading into your drafts. Very important episode. Make sure you guys tune in for that. But tonight, Danielle, what are we talking about tonight? We are going to be talking about the top five bus and top five and the bus and the sleeper quarterbacks. Absolutely. That's right. Best five, bus five, sleeper five, all through the evening tonight. We'll get you all caught up on our values to help you guys out on your drafts. Danielle, we'll be seeing you throughout the show. So when we look at our quarterback lists, look, obviously, if you're in a single quarterback league, the standard strategy at this point, and I think it's caught on finally after years and years of it not necessarily being a thing, you draft them late. And especially this year, there's a lot of value jam-packed. I'm just getting through my projections, or updating my projections, I should say. And when we get into the you know, later tier, the guys that are like six through 12, we're literally talking about maybe a point and a half, two points a game, a touchdown. That's all it takes. It's all separating these guys. And a lot of them have jam packed upside because now we've come a passing league where we have all kinds of weapons. We have up-tempo offenses. 75% of the head coaches in the NFL are now pass first minded head coaches. Not just the coordinators, the head coaches. Defense, struggle, winning on the run game. These are all things that are not really a thing that much in the league anymore. So it's boosting up the value of the quarterbacks from the top to the bottom. So that's why we want you to wait. Now, Superflex, different story. Dynasty Leagues, different story. But this show, mostly focusing, especially this time of the year, on the half-point PPR, 12-man redraft league, we want you to wait at a quarterback a little bit. But we still got to go over who our top five guys are going to be. And we're going to do this in reverse order. We're going to work our way up from five all the way up to one. So let's start off with Patrick Mahomes. His ADP right now is actually QB2. His ECR sitting there at QB3. I got him ranked at number five overall. I've actually moved him up one spot since last week's show. Now, with Mahomes, obviously, the narrative is... Tyreek Hill is gone. You have a group of receivers you're trying to replace that production with, and how is it all going to fit? You paid Marquez Valdez-Scantling entirely too much money. I don't know who they were bidding against to this day. You bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, which on paper has been a productive wide receiver, is still only 25 years old, but he runs like a 65-year-old man who needs a walker. Then you have the rookie Sky Moore. Now, of all the wide receivers that they brought in, Sky Moore, to me, has the most talent. But the problem is, rookie receivers, typically, they don't have great success in an Andy Reid system. It's usually a little too complicated for them to just walk in and be able to pick it up day one. So where does that leave Mahomes? Well, he has his trusty dandy you know, target in Travis Kelsey. We know he doesn't typically check the ball down. So my question for him is going to be this. Did you learn your lesson last year? When teams started playing cover two and cover three and taking away the deep play and forcing you to actually sustain drives and gash them, did you learn your lesson to check down more? The numbers don't show it. But are you going to do, bring that with you into this season? 
that goes in hand in hand with some of the Clyde Edwards Hilaire talk we've had on the show. If you missed it, again, make sure you go back on your favorite podcast app, download it, catch us on on the man at bellyup.tv, and go back and watch. But Mahomes, at the end of the day, cannot be drafted as a QB, too. However, he is still a top-five quarterback. Why? Because he's Patrick freaking Mahomes. The Chiefs have a terrible defense. The AFC West is beyond stacked. We're going to have six games of probable shootouts. So Mahomes still has a safe floor at the end of the day, but let's just not draft him at the number two spot, which means you're probably spending a top four round pick on a quarterback, and we don't want you to do that. So let's move our number four guy, and that's Justin Herbert. Now, Justin Herbert, his ADP is sitting at QB3. His ECR is actually at, or I'm sorry, his ECR is at QB3. I'm going to get that right one more time. His ECR is at QB2. His ADP is at QB3. I can't read my own graphic. And I have him ranked at quarterback four. The thing about Justin Herbert, and the reason why I don't have him necessarily at two or at three, I have him at four, one spot. Again, top five guys, we're nitpicking. But the reason why I have him a little bit lower, have we seen the ceiling of a Justin Herbert? Nothing much has changed since last season. They brought back Mike Williams, I granted, on a nice contract. And that was the big thing everybody was happy about, that you brought him back. But we had his production last year. We had the first five weeks where he went absolutely bananas and then had his inevitable knee hiccup that he seems to have at least once a season. And while he doesn't miss time on it, it does seem to bring down his production. We have reliable Keenan Allen. You've moved the needle from Jared Cook to Gerald Everett. Not much going on there. So the only thing you can really hit me on is that, oh, is the emergence of Joshua Palmer as a legitimate third receiving option. Is he going to be the key that helps Herbert have an extra weapon to take it to a yet another level than what we've already seen? I mean, remember last year, he finished at a QB two. It's likely we've already seen his ceiling. Now, I don't, obviously, I'm not predicting a drop-off because I have him at the QB4 spot. But there's not much there to make me think there's another level for him to go to to keep him within that elite, elite top three players. He's going to be good. He's going to be consistent. He's going to be on a good team. But the other thing to take into consideration, and I know it's the Chargers and they never stay healthy, but if they somehow do this year, that defense is going to be a lot better. And if you take out the AFC West matchups that they're going to have to have, they might not be in so many situations where Justin Herbert, who's been averaging almost 40 pass attempts in his career thus far, is going to have to throw it quite to that level. So we might be seeing a reduction in volume, possibly. Just things to think about when you're looking at Justin Herbert and exactly where you value him. Again, we're nitpicking at the best five. So let's talk about our number three on the board. Our number three on the board is Kyler Murray. Yep, the man who doesn't watch film. The man who just got paid, the man who was pretty much throwing a temper tantrum all offseason long to get to this point, we have Kyler Murray. ECR sitting at QB5, his ADP's at QB5, I'm a little bit higher QB3. The answers to why should be obvious, he's a rushing quarterback. There is a bigger upside that he can hit than the Herberts, the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Not only is he in the same stratosphere as those guys when it comes to potential passing production because he is an up-tempo offense and he has the weapons to go along with it. But of course, he's the only other quarterback who could potentially match Lamar Jackson and his productivity on the ground. 
Now, they're running into some issues this year. You got no DeAndre Hopkins to start off the first six weeks of the year. You have Marquise Brown. While I don't expect him to get suspended, he's making the news today by getting arrested for speeding out in Arizona. I probably would, too, if I lived out in the middle of the desert and there was nothing else around, but hey. So he has some issues going on there, but he does have the trusted safety blanket of Zach Ertz returning. And James Conner's the key here. Look, James Conner had a career year for a lot of people by having 16 touchdowns on the ground last season. Let's put away what we think about James Conner for a second. I can tell you right now, he ain't going to hit 16 touchdowns again this season. And it's more likely that Kyler Murray on a lot of those read option plays that they'd like to run in the goal line to set that up instead of it going Connor's way. It might be Murray going out back out to the outside. So he's got the potential for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 touchdowns potentially. Now, when he gets banged up and he becomes more of a pocket passer, I have my concerns, but it can't be ignored. And that's why he comes in at my QB three. Let's talk about my QB two. My QB two is Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm higher on him than most. The ECR has him at QB4. The ADP has also has him as QB4. And I think he is second only to Josh Allen. Guess what? When Lamar With Lamar Jackson, it's a good thing. It's a good thing if they revert back to their roots. That's what the talk's been about all offseason, right? They're not going to throw it as much as they did last year. They shouldn't have to because the defense, hopefully not everyone tears their ACL at once. So you have those two things mixed together. Like, well, does the production reduce? Well, no. Look, the year Lamar Jackson ran the most he ever has was the year he was the MVP. It was the year he had 36 passing touchdowns. And he had less volume that year than any of his other years of his starting career so far, throwing out, you know, halfway through his rookie season. Lamar Jackson gets more efficient the more he gets to use his legs. It's not just Lamar, though. It's the Ravens' offense. The Ravens' offense, Greg Roman gets more efficient if he can just run, 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 and then set up his pass, set up his play action, set up his misdirection. That's when they work the best. I'm going to throw another thing at you, and this is why I'm so excited about Rashad Bateman, but he fits this offense as its number one wide receiver better than Marquise Brown ever did. Brown was a good receiver. He had an insane amount of targets last season, 149. But he was never quite a fit. This is a run-first physical team. Marquise Brown is the antithesis of that. He's a speedster. He's a small guy. But he was the most talented guy they had. So they had to utilize him, of course, in that fashion. But that's the problem that they ran into. Rashad Bateman can do all the Greg Roman things. He can be the tough guy. He can out-physical somebody. Lamar Jackson doesn't have to be dead on the money to get him the football. He can throw it in his area. He can catch the ball better in traffic, catch the ball better in jump ball situations in the red zone. Add that with what has already been an emerged Mark Andrews, and you got an offense that fits itself very, very well. You don't need Lamar Jackson to throw the ball a ton. I'm going to throw another thing at you, too. If it wasn't for all the weird illnesses that Lamar was having last season, he would have had three years in a row of over 1,000 yards rushing. You don't see that kind of production out of a quarterback. 
Here's what's holding him back. Well, this is what held him back last year anyway, because on a points-per-game basis, he was QB8. I know overall he wanted to finish against QB16, and overall was a disappointment with where you probably drafted him in your fantasy drafts. But the key as to why is this. His touchdown rate was drastically low for somebody who ran that much. He only had two touchdowns last season. For a guy who's carrying the ball over 100 times, getting over 1,000 yards, to only have two rushing touchdowns, it's more logical this year that he'll improve upon that number. So now we get back to Lamar just getting five touchdowns, five to six touchdowns on the ground, getting back to closer to what he was efficiency-wise in the air, especially in the red zone. Nobody else has his upside. That has to be taken into consideration when it's Lamar Jackson, and nobody has his floor. He's got something to prove. He still has not had his contract, and he's talking about he'll play without it. He has something to prove, and I like guys who have something to prove and look like they want to do something about it, and that's what Lamar Jackson does too. All right, so let's talk about my number one guy, Josh Allen. We, we can't have a big conversation about this, right? His ADP is number one. His ECR is number one. My rank of him is number one. And it's really kind of a shame. When you have a consensus number one player in any given position like this, you don't spend enough time enough time talking about them. You don't. Because, well, there doesn't wind up being a ton to talk about at the end of the day. <laughs> There's no quarterback who has the upside of a Josh Allen, period. There's no quarterback who could, in a realistic, opportunistic situation, be able to lead the league in passing, and in rushing fantasy points. Allen can do that. He doesn't quite have the upside of a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson when it comes to rushing yards, but he's got just as much, if not more, rushing touchdown potential than they do. Would it shock anybody if Josh Allen got plus 10 touchdowns on the ground, tacking on with another 40 through the air? No, it wouldn't. And that might offset the yardage he doesn't have of a Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. He could lead in both categories. Passing and rushing. No other quarterback quite has that ceiling. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We saw him take another step up last year, especially in the playoffs, and I know that's not during the fantasy season. But it was games that mattered. Games that mattered, they turned to Josh Allen even more. Here's the other thing. Gabriel Davis. They have been looking for another receiver to match up with Stephon Diggs to take this offense over the top. If Gabriel Davis' performance towards the end of last season in the playoffs last year wasn't a sign of an emerging player, I don't know what is. Now, of course, I love Gabriel Davis, too, and he may be on our show in a couple of weeks as my sleeper wide receiver. Just a little tease for you guys there. But with him, an emerging Dawson Knox, a James Cook addition to give them some lightning speed out of the backfield, and, of course, your trustworthy Stephon Diggs, who I think 
as much as you can sleep on a top five receiver, people are kind of sleeping on a little bit this season. An up-tempo offense. And I know we have the question of Ken Dorsey. How are you going to be different than Brian Dable? Because he will be. And no two people are the same. He might run the same system. It might be similar terminology. But something about it's going to be different. Well, if anything, with Ken Dorsey, with his background, if anything, it's just going to be more pass-happy. It's just going to be more up-tempo, at the very least. Should equal just as much volume as it ever was for Buffalo. Everything's looking up for Josh Allen. And there's not really much else to say about that. He's the only quarterback that I will contemplate taking in the first four rounds. If I start up, if I'm in a 12-man, half-point PPR, redraft league, and I'm starting off and I'm feeling pretty good, I got I got two superb running backs and receiver, maybe two superb receivers, and I got a running back I'm feeling pretty good about, and I'm looking at Josh Allen in the fourth round, I might consider it. Will I personally do it? Yeah, probably not, but I might consider it. That's how much Josh Allen twists my arm because I'm telling you, it's more likely for me to go through a draft and just completely punt the quarterback position, not even take one to the 15th round. That's typically how I like to play. But I will consider Josh Allen in the top four rounds because that is how good his floor, the ceiling ratio, is this season. That's how scary the Buffalo Bills attack might be. So those are my best five. So now that I got to talk really gleamingly about some of these guys, we got to flip it the other way. We do. So let's get into our bust quarterbacks. Quarterback bummers. A fart show they are. Here's the other thing. We got uh, Chris finally joining the show. Chris, how are you doing? Doing Okay. I'll mix up on the day, but I'm here now, so I apologize, MD Nation. Absolutely no problem about it. Chris, did you hear anything I was just talking about with the best five quarterbacks? Yeah, I heard you kind of end off with Josh Allen. I was a little surprised by your take. You were talking about, you know, how you usually typically like the weight. I'm thinking that quarterback, I was a little surprised that Josh Allen would go in your first four rounds, but I can't argue strongly that he doesn't deserve to be so. He means one of the more consistent quarterbacks you've seen over the last few years. Definitely has a floor, has a lot of weapons in place. Um, so I think I can understand that. A little rich for my blood. I kind of think there's a lot of depth in this quarterback position, but I think you're going to kind of dive into that now. But yeah, I definitely, definitely, uh, I liked your top five for the most part. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, like I said, will I do it? Probably not, but that's how good he is. You just at least have to consider it. But let's jump into our bust five or my bust five, and Chris can kind of compete with me if he disagrees somewhere along the way. So let's start off with our number five bust quarterback, which would be Justin Fields. His ADP right now sitting at QB 17. The ECR has him at QB 17, but I got him at QB 20. So not a huge difference, but a three-spot difference, especially if you're talking about a two-quarterback league, a super flex league, that can make a significant difference where you're drafting these guys. I know Justin Fields likely, and I haven't projected as such, to have 100 rushing attempts. I know that's a milestone that typically your quarterback, you have that milestone in your backhand, you should be competing at the very least for top 12 positioning. I think I talked about this you know, weeks ago when we went over the NFC North to begin with. The Bears offense is a train wreck waiting to happen. This is a problem. And I like Justin Fields, but he's about to go down with a sinking ship. Lou Getze, who hasn't called plays yet in the NFL, and his big claim to fame is he's the quarterback coach of Aaron Rodgers, which he has no credit 
for of developing is the offensive coordinator for the Bears. Darnell Mooney is the best weapon that they have. I like Cole Komet, but we haven't seen Cole Komet emerge yet. They have the 31st ranked offensive line, according to PFF. So besides David Montgomery, I'm not too big on what the Bears offense has to contribute this season. And therefore, I can't trust what the floor of a Justin Fields is going to be, even though I know he's going to run the ball a ton. Chris, where are you at on Justin Fields? Yeah, I mean, I can't argue strongly that he should. I think that the tier you have, like, you know, that 15 to 20 range is probably a good place for him. I think he's not necessarily a top tier guy. I think you're looking for the more consistencies you're kind of alluding to with this offense. But I think the key for me is I do think he's got a pretty solid floor. And I think the Chicago Bears are going to stink this year. And as a result, he's going to have a lot of garbage points opportunities. So I could see him kind of, you know, sneaking into that top 15 with his rushing attempts, as you kind of talked about, getting some cheap touchdowns late. Kind of reminds me of Jalen Hurts from the beginning of the season, the Eagles last year. Not most, you know, didn't have a whole lot of plethora of weapons out there in Philadelphia. Better off the line for sure. Um, but I do think that, you know, sometimes those guys kind of make things happen with their legs, especially when you're getting blown out and you kind of scrum around for some cheap touchdowns can still kind of pay off fantasy wise. I, I'm going to say this. Too many people keep using Jalen Hurts from last year as an example for these rushing quarterbacks. They're like, well, they can Jalen Hurts their way into a top 10. Jalen Hurts won the highest rushing touchdown rates you're going to find out of a quarterback, and he had 10 touchdowns total on the year. It's rare that quarterbacks score that much on the ground, and I do think that's what it would take for Fields to be a top 12 guy. Oh, for him to be even take a chance on him, because when you're talking about 17, 15, you're talking about taking shots on guys, even in 12-man halfway PPR regular leagues. And I'm not doing that with a Justin Fields because the offense, if we could pick him up as a streaming option, fine, but I'm not drafting him there in most fantasy football leagues. But let's move on to our number four guy. And that would be Mac Jones. I will get Danielle in here in just a second so she can talk about Mac Jones. But his ADP is right now sitting at QB 20. ECR is at QB 24. I have him ranked all the way down at QB 30. Now, this is not a reflection of what I feel about Mac Jones. I like Mac Jones. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he will be a very good pro quarterback throughout his career. This is 100% a reflection on the direction that the Patriots are headed. 100%. Matt Patricia's calling plays. I don't care if Mac Jones is audibling at the line. Okay. Devontae Parker, when has he stayed healthy besides one year for a full season to be a weapon? Am I depending on Jacoby Myers, Mr. Anti-Touchdown himself, to be the reason why Mac Jones is able to produce this season? And I still buy it into the idea that Bill Belichick ultimately wants to win this year by running and playing defense. I don't think you're going to overall see a good amount of Patriots passing offensive attack and while we're not talking about Mac Jones going high or anything like that, obviously, he, people are valuing him as a low-end QB, too. For the guys out there, Superflex, QB2 leagues, this is, my, this is my message to you. Don't bother. I'd much rather take a shot on higher upside guys like Fields that we just talked about, like Zach Wilson. Guys of that nature in that territory right now who just have higher ceilings and higher floors. Chris, where are you? Yeah, I'm not definitely not as down on, on Matt Jones as you are at the 30. I understand that the concerns about the Patriot offense. I understand the concerns about Devontae Parker staying healthy. I do think this is the most, you know, more talent than Matt Jones has had around him. 
So I can say that I think there could be some progress. I think the offense itself is going to kind of open up a little bit more. Um, I know that you're kind of anti-Belichick, and I think this is going to kind of you know, just be a very run-oriented offense. I disagree. I think this offense is going to be more pass-oriented and using Matt Jones more. So I think he's going to, not going to be a guy that you're necessarily going to be you know, aiming for to go reach for the stars. But if he fingers, finishes in the top 25, I definitely wouldn't be shocked. I think he's, you know, where he is right now with ADP, I think is a good value. I would just love to know what it is you're basing on the idea that this Patriots will be more pass-happy with Belichick being more hands-on with the offense. Because historically, Bill Belichick has usually had pass-oriented coaching staffs, whether it's Oscar Daniels, Charlie Weiss, Bill O'Brien. You go there on the list, most of the coaches had been predominantly pass-oriented. They weren't run-oriented coaches. Now, over the last few years, the change of talent, you've seen this offense kind of refer back and become you know more conservative and try to be more ground-and-pound offense. I think it's also you're trying to hide rookie quarterback. You're trying to hide a Jeff Stindham. You're trying to hide a Cam Newton. So I think it goes more with the personnel than it actually does with actually what they were going on in New England and Bill Belichick himself. And let's, don't forget this guy is the one that kind of bring, bring, picking the brain of Chip Kelly back in the day, picking the brains of all these different you know, brilliant coordinators, supposedly, out of college and has been doing so for years and years and years. So I think this is something that, you know, people have kind of a, a disdain for Belichick. And I can understand, especially with the personnel he's been picking it lately. But I think they're going to open up a little more this year. So I think Matt Jones is literally have a top, chance to finish top 25, like I said. All right, let's 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 get Danielle give her give her two cents here on her Mac Jones. Am I being too harsh on your Mac Jones, Danielle? Um, I would like to say you are, but I actually agree with you in this case. As much as I don't want to be down on Mac Jones, I think he will have a good season. I think he'll be better than he was in his first season, but I do agree with that it will be a run offense and Belichick will want to win these games based off of the, their defense. So I think Mac will have a good season, but for fantasy wise, definitely do not take him because he will not be giving up those points. See, Danielle learned her lesson from last week and she started to agree with me more and now she knows better. Thank you, Danielle. We'll see you again real soon. All right, let's talk about our third quarterback bus, and this should be no shock to anybody that he's on this list. Mr. Trey Lance himself sitting there, QB 13, an ECR, ADP at QB 14, and I got him at QB 18. So everybody else, the experts, the other experts, I should say, the people, they all want to take him as a borderline top 12 quarterback, as a borderline QB 1. Look, I get it. I'm not going to say that it doesn't make any sense. There's physical ability. There's a good offensive coach, a good offense. There's things in place to make you think that this should be a fruitful situation for a quarterback to be able to come into. I get it. What you don't seem to understand is Trey Lance. You don't seem to understand how far he has to come in his fundamentals to reach the level he's going to have to be to be this top-edge quarterback. I view him very similar to Justin Fields for different reasons, but for fantasy football purposes. why I have him at QB 18. He's going to run over 100 times. I'm not questioning that. And I think he actually probably has more touchdown potential than Justin Fields does with those rushing touchdowns, which is why I have him ranked a little further ahead. But I saw last year a coach who did not trust his quarterback to make the correct read and make the easy throw on the field. I saw a coach who was doing everything in his power to hide that quarterback last season. Now, he hasn't had a lot of reps. Things can change in an offseason. But I'm not buying into the idea that Trey Lance is going to make this gigantic leap forward 
in his fundamentals to make a more accurate quarterback and to be what the 49ers hope he will be. But maybe I'm off base, Chris. What about you? Yeah, I think there's no secret here that I'm not a Trey Lance lover at all. I think Trey Lance is definitely a bus waiting to happen. I think we saw that, you know, last year when we saw him have his two opportunities out there. I think that he had things basically gift wrapped to him, played the Texans, um, and they had, you know, basically almost lost that game. Um, had to, you know, pull it out the end, had a, a fluke touchdown pass across his body for Debo Samuel for his we big had, play. Thank you for bringing that up. Second half. This is the only good performance Trey Lance had was the Texans game, but it wasn't even the game. It was the second half of the game. Production, a lot of production, a 45-yard blown coverage from Debo Samuel, and that is pretty much what saved his overall production outlook for that week and made it look half decent. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, and even with that, he still wasn't a top-tier quarterback finishing. So I think we look at what you're kind of getting versus what the hype has been. It's very different. And those offense and Kyle Shanahan gets a lot of, you know, of props, but this offense loves to run the ball. So why is Trey Lance going to be the one who's going to be throwing it around? Probably not. And then you look at the running attack. Okay, well, you're, are you going to have your quarterback that you just basically invest three draft picks in, or three first-round draft picks in, running around all the time, or are you going to utilize some of those you know, 5,000 running backs you got in draft over the last few years? So I think you look at all these different things. There's a lot of things going against Trey Lance versus going for him. I know you talked about the Jalen Hurts comparison. This is where the situation is where I think people are trying to you know put apples to oranges in a sense, and I think this is not going to fit. I, I think this is really, you know, definitely too rich for my blood where he's going for ADP right now. Counting his two starts and the <clears> half <throat> that he had against Seattle when Jimmy G got hurt originally, you're still looking at a 59% completion percentage out of the guy. Look, I know it's different when you go in as the main guy, even practicing with the ones, but that is not a lot to hold your hat on. Here's what we're going to do. We'll take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got our top two busts for you guys to watch out for. And then we're going to have our five sleeper quarterbacks. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got push? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nut sack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using the discount code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush worst nightmare. With a Performance Package purchase, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website, too, to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. It's time to level up your game from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. So one more time, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're live on YouTube right now. If you have any comments or questions, we'll try to get through to them throughout the show. Make sure you're checking us out on your favorite TV app. 
We're available on the Foxy Network app, or you can go to bellyup.tv on any mobile device and cast us to your television set. That'll be available to you guys after the show and on demand. And if you want to be part of our listening audience and catch us while you're on the move and stay up to date with the show, you can download us on any podcast app. We are widely available to you guys. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I'm joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We're talking our best five, our bus five, our sleeper five quarterbacks for tonight's show. Back finally on Wednesday nights, back to two days a week, which means football is right around the corner because it's officially August, and I'm so excited. But let's talk about our top two bus guys, Chris. Let's talk about Tua Tagalavoa. Now, I know we're going to have a disagreement on this, but here's why. ECR, QB23. His ADP is also, I'm sorry, his ECR is at QB16. His ADP is at QB16. I've been doing this all night. My rank is QB23. Chris, I got to fire the graphics guy, which I consequently is me because I can't read it, apparently. The reason why I am not as big, and I think we just lost Chris. That's why I got radio silence there. The reason why I am not as big on Tua Tagalavoa as most, despite the Tyreek Hill addition, despite the hiring of Mike McDaniel and having an offensive-minded head coach, is because of Tua himself. Yes, he started off his career injured. He's had some injuries since then. He hasn't played a full season yet, actually, in in his two-year career so far. But we have enough games now. We have 30 games, or 23 games, I believe, of Tua, of tape on Tua Tagovailoa. That's enough to make a conclusion as to the, I believe, the overall talent, the overall ceiling that a player has. It's enough to figure out what he is. 23 games. It's enough to have an idea. Here's what my idea of Tua Tagovailoa is. A game manager. He could be Mike McDaniel's next Jimmy G. He could be a Teddy Bridgewater type. But ultimately, he's a guy who wants to keep the passes short. And he'll make those passes accurate. But he is not the guy to throw it deep. He was 30th last year in deep ball attempts. 27th the year before. Get this. He was 73rd. 73rd. In receivers... Yak, receivers, yards after the catch per target. 73rd is a quarterback. There's 32 starting quarterbacks. He's 73rd. 2020, he was 67. So when he's hitting these guys, his players don't have much room to go. They don't have the big explosive plays after the catch. And you can make the argument, like, well, they've had receivers that were banged up, and that's true. And they have had guys that weren't big explosive guys. But that part's not true. Jalen Waddle is an explosive wide receiver who got relegated to be pretty much a glorified younger version of what Jarvis Landry used to be for that team because he was just volume dependent with nowhere to go with the ball once it was in his hands. I used to love Tua. I loved him coming out of college. Part of me still wants to believe in him, but I cannot deny what it is I've been seeing and what the production tells me, which is a game manager quarterback with not a lot of explosiveness. And I'm going to have to have him prove it to me rather than me take the leap of drafting him as a mid to high QB2. Chris, I know you disagree. So where are you? 
Yeah, I'm definitely bigger to it, family, obviously, that you seem to be. And I think even if the worst-case scenario is you're trying to allude to that he's just his game manager, maybe he's Alex Smith. Alex Smith had some fantasy but no relevance during his career, even if he was just checking the ball down and making the safe, quote-unquote, throws. But I think there's a lot of difference between weapons that Tua Tagalos had over the last few years. You can talk about Jalen Waddle, what his kind of, you know, what he was doing and what his able explosiveness is. But I also think you're, you're kind of skipping over the fact that the offensive line was atrocious and part of the reason Jalen Waddle is was it any better? I think so. I think um, we have an all pro tackle, a left tackle at Armstead. I think that's kind of a, a definitely an upgrade. Um, I think they added Connor Williams in the center. I think it's an upgrade. Their offensive line is kind of being reshuffled where guys are better at their strengths. So, yeah, I definitely think it's been improved. Um, Even weapons, with all those improvements, they still come in as the PFF graded 23rd offensive line in the league, even with Connor Williams and Teron Armstead. Well, I think that's kind of difficult to evaluate since they haven't played together yet. So for PFF to tell me who's going to be good yet, I don't think they can really tell me that. Armstead was an all-pro for the last couple of years until he got injured last year. So if you're going to hold that against him, that's fine. But I think we look at the – is there an upgrade of talent from last year to this year? I think nobody can really argue that. Even PFF might be able to argue that there's definitely an upgrade from last year. And as a result, I think you're going to see Tua actually have an offensive coordinator who puts him in a position to succeed, not two coordinators like he had last year, not a new coordinator every other year like he's had the last few years, but an offense is kind of built around him from day one. And the coach picked with him in mind from day one. I think that has all the things to making have him have his third-year breakout. I love the weapons. I love Tua this year. And I think he's the absolute steal for where he is at ADP. So you, you think he's a steal at 16? I do because I think he's going to wind up being threatening, you know, that top 12 range. I think when you look at his you know, other guys kind of going around that thing, I, he has a nice little floor, in my opinion, because he can scramble as well. I think, like I said, I, the weapons in place will help his efficiency improve. Well, and right I do there, that's part of the problem. He hasn't used his legs since he's come to the league. Now, I think a large part of that was due to recovering from the hip injuries first year. But even his second year, we didn't see him use his legs for fantasy purposes, maybe getting out of the pocket and buying himself some time, but not resulting in production. Agreed. But we also haven't seen McDaniel with him. And I think that's where I think you're going to see the kind of a mixture of his utilization of his skills. You know, you talked about Tua kind of not running around. I think it was obvious the first year you're not going to try to push it because you want to to stay healthy. Last year was a little bit different, but I also think last year was kind of his first year where he actually actually could be the starter from day one and got to actually try to you know keep that job. And even with all that going on, he still had to keep hearing about Deshaun Watson taking his job every other week. So this year, right now, you have an offense built around him, a coordinator who's looking to you know give him the, him, him um, in position to succeed, and then on top of it, all the weapons they add, I think Tua's definitely got a shot to finish in the top fifteen. Who are you going to put him over? Are you going to put him over Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford? I mean, those are the guys directly in front of him right now. I, I have so uh, here's here's the difference. You know, we, we gave what your list and your top guys are. I have those guys higher than you do, so I flip around. Some no, of those no, that's right the ADP. Now. That's not my rankings. That's the ADP. Those are the guys that are directly ahead of him right now. Kirk Cousins at 15, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford. I'm sorry, I thought Trey Lance was one of those guys in front of him. Trey, um, Trey Lance is one of those guys too, but we already know we we would put him probably in front of Trey Lance. So I'm asking you about the other three. Yeah, so but that's kind of, I guess that's my point. Like, I think when it comes to the end of the season, he can't finish with any of those guys. With Derek Carr, for example, we had to see Derek Carr do it. I think Derek Carr has definitely got the upside to do so, but I haven't seen it yet from the finish there. Um, so I think there's some discussions of where these guys can finish, and that's where I think he is. Well, well, being, well hold on. Carr finishes the QB 13 last season. So what do you mean you haven't seen him do it there? Right now he's ADP's QB 14. I've seen, I've seen Derek Carr finish in the top 15, yes. Have I seen Derek Carr establish that he's going to be there year in, year out? No. So have we I'm seen that from Tua? No, we have not. But I think that where he's going ADP-wise, I said I think is a good value. 
and I could easily see him finishing the top 15. I didn't say that he has to be above the top 15. I'm not saying that you have to put him over there, but where you have him versus where the ADP is, I think the value of the ADP is a good value. And if you have him as one of your top 15 quarterbacks, he's not going to hurt you. And it will actually probably want to pay off for this season. But so this is where my confusion is. I asked you where would you have him ranked according to the uh, in, where relative to the ADP. You said a lot higher, and that's why I ask you who are you putting him ahead in front of that list because that's who's in front of him in the ADP. He's seventeen in the ADP, correct? He's sixteen. Sixteen in ADP. I said I had him a lot higher than I believe you had him. I think that's so that his ADP was good. Okay. Well, then that's, the that's my mistake because I thought I, when I asked the question, I thought you were saying he was ranked in front of the ADP. So just to make sure that's clarified up. Let's move to our number one bust. That's Matt Ryan. His ADP is at QB 19 or QB 21. His ECR is at QB 19. I have him ranked at QB 26. Look, the days of Matt Ryan being, you know, a low-end QB1, they're definitely over, and everyone else seems to pretty much agree. But they still hold on to him as this top 20-ish quarterback, and I don't think he is. I think he's more of a QB3. I think he's a guy you're just steering clear from. Look, last year with the Atlanta offense was not ideal. Wasn't an ideal offensive line, didn't have ideal weapons, lost Calvin Ridley pretty early on in the season. But it wasn't like he had nothing. He still had Cordell Patterson. He still had Kyle Pitts. Still had a ton of volume. You had the year before Julio Jones saying he wanted out of Atlanta because he wanted to go somewhere that he could find a quarterback and still throw a deep ball, saying, you know, without actually saying flat out, Matt Ryan can't throw a deep ball anymore. There is a real chance Matt Ryan's falling off a cliff. Now, even if he comes into the Colts and he gives them this Philip Rivers-esque rerun that they're talking about possibly having with him, well, Philip Rivers wasn't any good from a fantasy standpoint either. Philip Rivers wasn't a top 20 guy from a fantasy standpoint. And what's furthermore, I think people should temper expectations as far as the ceiling of some of these other guys. Like, I love Michael Pittman and the volume he's going to have. But Matt Ryan is notorious for being one of the worst red zone quarterbacks in the league. Chris, where are you at Matt Ryan? Yeah, I'm in 100% agreement with you on this. I think there's a lot of hype not mentioning you know, People seem to just hate Carson Wentz, and that's therefore they love Matt Ryan, I guess, it seems to be the association. I don't see how this Colts offense also makes this dramatic jump just because Matt Ryan's quarterback. You alluded to last year, he didn't have, you know, the cup wasn't totally barren. But there also were a lot of games where Lambs was getting blown out, so they had a lot of volume. His passing numbers were inflated because their team, you know, their team was so bad in a sense. Playing for the Colts, you're playing for a playoffs. You're, you have a team that's actually got a good defense, like a team that's got a, a great running attack. So what you're going to try to do is you're not going to necessarily expose Matt Ryan, have him drop back there 30, 40 times a game. You're going to have to be kind of more of a game manager, a game a guy that's kind of asked to do things that, you know, on third down, third and fourth, makes cheesy throws. I don't think Matt Ryan's going to be a great boon to this offense in general, nor should he be a guy going in your top 20. You brought up Carson Wentz. I asked the question, is he really better than Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz last year, sixth in deep ball completion percentage. Matt Ryan was 23rd. Carson Wentz, 15th in red zone completion. Matt Ryan was 23rd. Like, there's Carson Wentz had a 27 to 7 touchdown interception ratio last year. Matt Ryan was 20 and 12. There's a, I know everyone's like, oh, Matt, Carson Wentz is his bum quarterback, and Matt Ryan's going to ride in on his stallion cult to save the day. I think there's a real argument to be had there as much as people don't seem to want to have that conversation. But let's talk about our sleepers. Let's talk about some guys that we're on the lookout for. Look out for. 
it's for it's fortuitous that I'm talking about this guy first. Deshaun Watson, my number five sleeper quarterback. I have him ranked at QB 17. His ADP sits at QB 18, and his ECR is at QB 21. Now, I thought this was actually going to skyrocket up. Of course, we have the news today. The NFL is going to file an appeal. Uh, the sources say that not only are they filing an appeal, they want an indefinite suspension. They want a fine. So they're going for the whole kit and caboodle. So this thing is still up in the air. As it stands today, though, until a new ruling comes out from this appeal process and it actually takes place, I'm going to assume Deshaun Watson is suspended for six games this season. Because the NFLPA could then they could turn around and sue the NFL. They could really they could wind up dragging this thing out. So I'll be curious to see how it plays out. Chris, just for argument's sake, and so I don't pop a blood vessel in my brain, let's say Deshaun Watson's only going to be suspended for six games. Well, guess what? If I got 11 games of Deshaun Watson, and it's the most important 11 games. Six games is, is, is no joke. It's, it's nothing to sneeze at. But if I got him for 11 games, including that playoff run, a guy who before last season was back-to-back top five quarterback, how do you not at least take a shot on him at the end of your drafts, especially if you're waiting at the quarterback position, which I'm going to tell you guys to do all draft season long? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, everybody's always kind of looking for that ace in the hole to kind of play the quarterback and definitely be one of those guys. Instead of kind of waiting for a rookie to kind of hit, you know, as the season progresses, you can definitely add a Deshaun Watson and have a great guy to kind of plug in there, as you pointed out, when he does return. Now, I wouldn't necessarily anticipate that he's going to come back and be successful right away. And there's a lot of transition. He hasn't played football for a while. Hasn't been, you know, even Aaron Rodgers, as great as he was when he didn't play football for that offseason, really struggled that first game versus New Orleans. So, Sean Watts is going to have a little bit of you know, time to adjust, a brand new offense, a brand new team. It's going to be interesting to see how he kind of has to get weighed down because he's not going to be suspended. He can't practice during that time frame either. So, it's going to be interesting to see where his conditioning, where his kind of timing, and, you know, how fast is Sean Watts going to hit the ground running. As a result, I do think he's a flyer to take, but I also think that you don't want, you don't want to spend and bank on having Deshaun Watson necessarily. Well, you you have to pair him with somebody. I mean, for obvious reasons, he's getting suspended for six games, but you have to be able to pair him with somebody you can trust to allow Watson to hit his stride. Because you're not, to your point, I don't know if you're going to want to start him, you know, week seven, let's say, if he's coming fresh off of that suspension right away. You're going to want to see where he is, where the offense is. But I think it will be sooner rather than later before we see Watson hitting his stride. So that's somebody I want you guys to keep your eye out on. Another guy, maybe more in two quarterback leagues, but I think he's going to be a streamer throughout the year. That's Marcus Mariota. That's the guy taking over the Atlanta job. We just bashed on Matt Ryan. I'm going to raise up Marcus Mariota a little bit because no one's even looking at him. His ECR is a QB 29. His ADP is a QB 32. I got him ranked a QB 21. Last time I checked, Marcus Mariota runs. He's pretty athletic, does pretty well in the red zone, has familiarity with Arthur Smith, does particularly well when you give him big targets such as Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Look, I'm not fond about the offensive line, and I don't think Mariota's guy is going to go out there and throw it all around the field to be a gunslinger by any stretch of the means. But from a fantasy standpoint, even when he was in spot starts for Derek Carr, was an asset. Why can't he be an asset this year? And I don't have Desmond Ritter taking over this job. I mean, maybe if Atlanta finds himself by week 10, week 11, just completely out of the playoff race, that's possible. But look around the NFC right now. It's not a very competitive conference. Atlanta last year, as bad of a team as they were, were still in it almost until the very end of the year. 
If they're in a little bit in playoff competition, I don't think Marcus Mariota gives up his job to Desmond Ritter. I think we're looking at a real shot of him being the starting quarterback for 17 games. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I know my, my co-host of Fantasy Live on Tuesday is Adam, and I've been beating the with Marcus Mariota all offseason. I think he's the guy that kind of got forgotten about. He's been assumed that his team is just going to lose his job to Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter has a lot to you know, improve on before he gets the opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. This guy struggled to accuracy in the NFL, struggled with kind of reading defenses. I don't think Arthur Smith's going to be in a rush to kind of get him out there. Don't forget, Arthur Smith kept Matt Ryan last year for a reason. He kept certain things. He wants to be competitive. As you kind of alluded to, if they're in any kind of, you know, playoff hunt, even and even if they're probably not, but they're close enough to kind of be a competitive team, I expect him to kind of keep his, you know, foot to the metal, or foot to the floor, and keep playing the quarterback that's kind of got him there. So I think Marcus Berrios got a chance to start all season long. He alluded to the fact that he uses his legs. He's got pretty good accuracy. And I think he learned something from, the, you know, kind of being pushed out of Tennessee. I think it helped him kind of refresh what he can do well. I think you kind of saw that with him in the Raiders. He used his legs a lot more. He was more willing to kind of be that physical guy, use his physical ability, and always just rely on kind of quick throws. So if he kind of brings that mixture, and, you know, as you talk about Officer Smith kind of magic, receivers they have in place, weapons they have in place, and a division where you're to kind of score points and playing in a dome twice a year or in a couple of different games throughout the season, I like Arthur. I like his opportunity to kind of, you know, thrive. This next guy, it's another, the next guy is another guy who doesn't get any love. I mean, people hate, I mean, they hate Jared Goff, Chris. I mean, they hate Jared Goff. Part, part of it is I get it. I get it to some degree. But when you have your ADP of him at QB 28, when his ECR is at QB 27, I got him ranked at QB 22. So am I talking more super flex two QB leagues as, you know, are you actually drafting a Jared Goff as your second quarterback? Yes. I also think we're going to be talking about Jared Goff as a streaming option at points during the season two, even in single quarterback 12-man leagues. Let's not get it twisted. I don't – look, I know – He's the guy who got ran out of Los Angeles in favor of Matthew Stafford. I, un- I understand all that. But you put together an offensive line that's being graded right now, according to PFS, PFF as the number two offensive line in all of football. You have a good running back, DeAndre Swift. He needs a check down, right? Well, you have a pretty good one to check the ball down, so he's been pretty productive doing that. DJ Shark apparently is lighting up in training camp and getting put all over the field. We saw the emergence of St. Brown last season. You have a solid tight end in TJ Hawkinson. Oh, and by the way, Jamison Williams, who if he had not been hurt, probably would have been my number one receiver in this year's draft class, is going to be playing at some point this season, most likely adding his speed to that. Oh, and by the way, I don't care that Detroit's defense got a little bit better, that doesn't mean they became a good defense. All right, this is still going to be a bottom 20 defense. Add all that together, Jared Goff is somebody I think we're going to, his name's going to get brought up again, like I said, in 12-man leagues and should be looked at in QB2 leagues. What do you think? I cannot agree that he should be at number 22. I agree with you for most of your points that he can be a streaming option throughout the season that you're going to have some boom games with Jared Goff because of the weapons he has in place. But talking about Captain Checkdown, a guy who does not push the ball down the field at all, a guy who was horrible last year when he actually tried to, and he passed over 20 yards was basically you're wishing for. So the matchups, the weapons he has, with like a DJ Shark, for example, and Jared Goff's arm, I don't know if that's actually going to match that well. Now, can the volume happen because this team's still going to be bad overall and just have to score some points? Possibly. I think there's going to be some shootouts that could be in, but I'm not going to necessarily bank on having Jared Goff 
as finishing a top 25. I do like him as a streaming option. I'm not going to kill him like most people do. So I like, like I said, I like your points. I still have him quite as high as you do. I'm just interested to see because last year we didn't get to see him with Hawkinson and St. Brown while St. Brown was already emerging as a as a Stop go-to Hawkinson target. Stuff. And uh, Hawkinson's actually a good tight end, Chris. I don't know what your hate is for Hawkinson. I, the I guy's only had it. one 100-yard year. I mean, one 100-yard game in his entire career. And I keep hearing about how great T.J. Hawkinson is. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Top eight tight end. And that plain and simple. He's a top eight tight end. He was he was a top five tight end when he was playing last year. So I, I'm not understanding what the hatred is. But anyway, when all the weapons are there and ready to go, we haven't seen that. I'm, again, I'm not sitting here touting Jared Goff's going to be, you know, some great, awesome quarterback, but just somebody who I think is a lot better than what he's getting credit for. Let's move on, though, to our number two guy, which is Jameis Winston. Good old Jameis Winston making his way back. Now, this is somebody who's been fantasy relevant. This is somebody who's been a top 12 guy, a top 10 guy. Sean Payton, as great of an offensive mind as he is, he's not the Sean Payton of old who used to throw the ball all the time. It was He became a very run-balance oriented coach who wanted to play more mistake-free football than take chances. Now, some of that had to do with the fact that they had no receivers to throw to, so who could blame them? But Pete Carmichael, I'm not expecting to be that way. Back, I, mean, I know we have to go all the way back to 2012, and that might necessarily be super relevant to today, but when he did call the plays then when Sean Payton was suspended, you're talking an over 60% pass rate coming out of Carmichael and his play-calling tendencies. Even if it's not that high, I expect it to be higher. Michael Thomas looks like he might be back and ready for week one. They drafted Chris Olave. They signed Jarvis Landry. I think Adam Troutman can still show that he can do something. So Jameis Winston's in a very particular situation where if he's just more aggressive than he was last season, I don't I don't know what that was. That was Winston just trying not to make a mistake. I, I don't know that's truly his nature. But if you're going to throw it more with Winston's ability, with actual weapons, we're talking about a guy that I think truly has potential to be a top 12 quarterback. Now, right now, I got him ranked at QB 16, but his ADP is at QB 22. His ECR is at QB 20. You're writing a guy off who should be in a different situation. And even last year, had a crazy touchdown rate despite the fact that he wasn't throwing the ball deep. Am I crazy on Jameis Winston, Chris? Is the boat just left? Is everybody just so just they always talk up, well, he had 30 interceptions one season and now we don't care? I think it's more about the Sean Payton overreaction and people just assuming that, you know, this offense is going to be clueless without Sean Payton. As you alluded to, Sean Payton hasn't quite the same kind of coordinator when calling the plays over the last few years. Gallagher conservative, maybe still trying to think he's coaching his kid, you know, his son in, in middle school or something. I'm not really sure, but he definitely has become more of a, a pop, you know, controlling offensive guy versus an open offensive guy. Having said all of that, I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. James Winston's got weapons in place, and add the fact that there's good chance Mel Kamara actually not get suspended either could actually push you know suspension possibly into the next year. So with all that going on, add another weapon to the the quick all the guys you named off of. James Winston is, is definitely positioned to succeed. And once again, in a division where you play a couple times in a dome versus really some really bad defenses. Where to go to my number one sleeper? We're going to end the show that way. And that is Ryan Tannehill. I got him at QB 15, and people are hating. I mean, the ECR's got him at QB 21, the ADP's got him at QB 23. Ryan Tannehill hasn't been less than a QB 12 since becoming a Tennessee Titan, and that includes last year, which was his 
worst output, and he was still the QB12. He was still a low-end QB1 overall. That was a year with basically no Julio help. A.J. Brown in and out of the lineup. Derrick Henry gone for half the season. Basically playing with a JV squad, and yet Ryan Tannehill still finish as a QB12. Why? Because he gets rushing touchdowns. He just does. He's done it since he's been in Tennessee, period. Has absolutely done it every single time since he's been in Tennessee. Touchdown rate's been through the roof. He gets enough efficiency in the red zone with his passing. And while I don't have him quite in the top 12, because, again, like I said, that tier of quarterbacks is is jam-packed. There's not much separation, but there's a lot of guys in that similar area for me. He definitely has potential. If you ask me right now, what's my overarching strategy in 12-man redraft leagues? I'm telling you right now, I am liable to just sit back at quarterback to that 15th, 16th round, take Ryan Tannehill, because right now he's not being drafted in on quarterback leagues, and take Deshaun Watson back to back and be like, look, I'm going to have a guy who's going to compete for top 12 until I get Watson back for the home field stretch. And I'm going to be completely fine with that because people are sleeping on Ryan Tannehill way too much. It's not like, I know he lost A.J. Brown, but Robert Woods is a good receiver who's fully healthy, according to all reports in camp. Traylon Burks, the whole conditioning, asthma thing, seems to be behind him, and he's been performing well in camp now too. It's not like he doesn't have weapons going into the season, and I might add, he might actually have more healthy weapons more of the time this year than he did last year, even if none of those guys are quite A.J. Brown just yet. Chris, what do you think about Tua, oh, Sorry, Ryan Tannehill as the number one sleeper? Yeah, I'm definitely not on that boat. I would probably be more with the consensus on this one. I think Ryan Tannehill, to me, kind of showed you his works last year. This Todd Downing is also a, a big fan of him as a coordinator. I think you know Arthur Smith did a great job of kind of putting Ryan Tannehill in a position to succeed. I do think that A.J. Brown will be missed, but I think Robert Woods is a really good receiver. I think he's going to you know, kind of step up in some aspects. I don't think he necessarily needs another possession receiver. His offense needs to have be able to open up the field. You have a returning on Derrick Henry that he was missing a good portion of last year. That also could help Ryan Tannehill, you know, have some of the rushing touchdowns, have some of those throwing yards because Derrick Henry's not in the back where they hand the ball to. Um, I just think Ryan Tannehill is showing you that he's trending in the wrong way. I think his team in general is trending the wrong way. I hate their offensive line. I hate their offensive coordinator. I am not buying Ryan Tannehill as a top 15 or top 16 quarterback. This he year. showed you his wards last year, but he still finishes as a QB 12. So I don't know about that. Uh, let's end the show on a quick question that we got in here from Scooby Taylor. Do I keep Cup and replace my fourth rounder or Swift and replace my 11th rounder? PPR, I've got the seventh pick out of 10. Listen, Scooby, both are great players, but there's no way I'm passing up the idea that I can have Cooper Cup in my fourth round. Not a chance. So that would be my advice. Chris, what do you think? Amen. I mean, I like DeAndre Swift's potential. I like what he can do. There's a lot of mouths to feed in Detroit, as you alluded to earlier in the show. Cooper Cup's going to eat regardless. Love him in the fourth round value. That's how we're going to end the show tonight. We're going to be back tomorrow, guys. We're going to be back tomorrow. 24 hours, less than 24 hours now. We'll be back tomorrow with Brian Scott, medical expert, host of the Injury List podcast. Make sure you come back on YouTube. We'll be promoting that link out on our social media feeds. Make sure you're following us there at Show. Catch us on bellyup.tv and download us on our your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star review because that, that really helps us out. And we'll see you guys tomorrow night.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.